May is Fibromyalgia Awareness Month. It's important to raise awareness about this chronic and often debilitating invisible illness known as fibromyalgia. This month-long campaign is an opportunity to educate people about the symptoms, causes, and treatments of fibromyalgia, as well as to show support for those living with these and other related invisible illnesses. Through increased awareness, we can work towards better understanding and management of fibromyalgia and ultimately improve the quality of life for those who are affected by it. And now on to this week's episode. Thanks for joining us today. We will continue the conversation with Dr. Bill Dobson, one of the nation's experts on fibromyalgia. We're talking about this because it turns out there is a strong connection and role of ADHD with fibromyalgia. One of many key points that Dr. Dobson made, but may apply especially with ADHD and may help you understand why you may be struggling is that people who have ADHD are not having a problem in knowing what to do, but doing what they know. This can apply to many people with fibromyalgia. When we're talking about trying to implement healthy lifestyle changes, for example, you may know, yes, Dr. Lenz, I agree with you, Eating a healthy, whole food, plant-based diet, whether or not you think you can do 100% or not, but definitely more than the 5 to 10% of your calories now and hopefully working towards at least 90% to get the effectiveness would be helpful. But why do I struggle in implementing it? Why do I struggle in doing it? And part of the reason may be that you have untreated ADHD. Welcome to the Conquering Your Fibromyalgia podcast. I am your host, Dr. Michael Lenz, and author and narrator of Conquering Your Fibromyalgia, Real Answers and Real Solutions for Real Pain. I am a pediatrician, an internist, a lifestyle medicine physician, and a clinical lipidologist with over 25 years of experience as a medical doctor. My goal is to weave the best of both medical management, and lifestyle medicine to helping those who have fibromyalgia. I want them to go beyond just surviving to living well and even reversing fibromyalgia. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is looked at as a supplement or starting point to help build a deeper understanding of the pathophysiology and treatments for fibromyalgia. This does not replace an office visit with your medical doctor or provider. And enjoy the podcast. We left off last week's episode talking about how when somebody has ADHD and working in business, they may be highly intelligent, have a great idea, great problem solving, but they, in order to be very functional, to be able to do well, they usually are paired up with a partner who in business is able to be the implementer, the doer of this creative idea. This also applies to marriage. There can be one person in the marriage who doesn't have ADHD and they're able to do some of the implementing, but the other spouse may be, who has ADHD may have great difficulty doing the day-to-day chores and it can be highly frustrating because the relationship 
is a little different. There isn't always this one person who's the more creative and just delegating everything else to the other spouse that doesn't always work out well and can be highly frustrating. Frustrating not only for the patient with ADHD, but for the spouse who doesn't have ADHD and just feels like they have to be acting like their their mother of or father of the patient always having to be on top of them or they might say you know I'm not your secretary do it yourself quit bossing me around and telling me to do everything you can do it why do you have to tell me to do everything now with treatment of ADHD the implementation and the doing aspect that was such a struggle before can go away and if you have a spouse who doesn't understand why you struggle with doing this, hopefully this insight can offer and shed some light on this. And also, if you have a business partner, maybe obvious that you struggle with this, but maybe this helps explain a lot of those things as well, both for you as well as for your business partner. ADHD, you know, in adults, is different clearly uh, from kids and the impairment. And I think that another reason is that in, in my opinion and having taken care of, of kids, all my training for, I was one of maybe the 50% who did have training in ADHD, but it was all pediatrics. I'm an internist and a pediatrician. And so I, I, I like to say, as I gave a talk once to the family practice residency program, I, I asked the question at the beginning talk on adult ADHD. And I said, how many of you treat adults with ADHD? And I knew nobody would raise their hand. And I said, no, you all treat adults with ADHD. How many of you guys have had those patients who had that anxiety and you've tried every serotonin acting medication and it made them feel worse? And fixed anxiety and depression. And those were that. And, and sometimes it's the anxiety is, from my experience and understanding of things, is that actually is the drive that gets ADHD people to do things. And when they treat the, with the SSRI, often that, that anxiety about worrying about the deadlines becomes yeah. diminished and then, and then it spirals and it makes them feel like it didn't help. When I was early in my career, I had just taking, you know, you know, six, seven-year-old who's struggling in school, getting evaluated for ADHD. And I remember my first patient said, well, well I was just like, that in school. And, and, and when I was in training, it was often thought, well, you pretty much, most kids grow out of it. And now from my experience, I don't think anybody grows out of it, but maybe no, you become a carpenter uh, instead of the mechanical engineer, because when it got, you could do math, you could do it in your head, but when you got to advanced math, you just knew I'm not going to do AP English and all the college prep stuff. I'm going to become a carpenter um, and nothing wrong with that. I might be the auto unfulfilled, unfulfilled potential. It's not that they grow out of it. It's that they learn the things they can't do and they stop trying those. I think that's a very key point what Dr. Dobson just said there. You learn what you can't do and often then it's I don't even try. Lots of unfulfilled potential. And for many of you who have fibromyalgia, this probably resonates with you. And that can be one of the most rewarding things for me is when I treat not the six-year-old who finally gets treated, but it's the 60-year-old who um, I've had come back in tears after getting treated because I always thought I was stupid 
or my guidance counselor said, you never graduate. Maybe they got a job that fit better. Maybe they were a social worker working with uh, disadvantaged kids and their struggles and like the communication, the talking. I often say that if you're in business, you may be very creative, be an entrepreneur, but you have to have be paired with a neurotypical or non-ADHD brain that can execute that. Well, when, when Hallowell and Rady wrote their book, Driven to Distraction, which is what really caused adult ADHD to explode, they said that their diagnostic feature was the patient who came in, they might be very accomplished, but the person comes in and says, I am so demoralized, I am so unhappy because I know that I have never come anywhere close to fulfilling my potential. Something mm-hmm. keeps on getting in the way. I said, that's ADHD until proven otherwise. Another thing that is with the connection with ADHD and fibromyalgia, at least my interpretation of understanding our completely complicated brains and getting a wrap around it is the connection is that with ADHD, it's not an attention problem. It's a filtering out unnecessary stimuli to focus on something. And part of the connection with fibromyalgia is I have unnecessary negative stimuli, noticing neck pain, light sound becomes much more distracting. And I can't filter that out to focus on cooking a healthy breakfast, picking up my room. And also in adults often is decreased motivation after a while, especially when you get cycled with more pain, poor sleep, a lot of the other things that get into that level that make it big barriers to doing things that you need. And it can start to spiral, especially when you get into the adult world where you don't have all of those support systems that you used to have. And sometimes the spouse may have it themselves and they're struggling and, and you have to do the adulting and that transition and all of the more responsibilities, the day-to-day work, the day-to-day home, the day-to-day parenting can get more and more overwhelming. One of the questionnaires on the fibromyalgia impact score is from zero to 10, how overwhelmed on average in the last week. And I would say that for most adults <laughs> in the adult world would who are doing adult challenging the the, the the daily grind of a of a, a real adult life not the college life where you can have fun and party and then you know go to class when you want and then show up but every day is the grind is that they go on average I asked that question is eight but I've had many people say 15 out of 10 because they just that hits it on the Gosh. head that that overwhelmed feeling well that that's that's one of the points that I always make is that we've we've got the world's best medications. Nothing works better for its condition than the stimulants do for ADHD. The effect size is up close to two. I mean, nothing's that high. Uh, They're wonderful medications. But we have completely failed with what do you do when you can pay attention? Um, the, The stimulants do one thing spectacularly well. And that is when you're engaged, they keep you from being distracted, exactly what, what you pointed out. Um, the problem is people with ADHD don't know how to get engaged in the first place. So they miss the whole first step so that then the medications can really be beneficial. And so uh, 
the way we put it in our clinic is that what goes wrong for people with ADHD is that life, school, parents, give them the wrong owner's manual for their nervous system. All the rules and principles and helpful hints and stuff like that that they're given work great. They see them working great for neurotypical people. Mm-hmm. They don't work at all for them. And so they assume there must be something wrong with me. That stuff that works for everybody else doesn't work. I can't make work. And so they come, by the time they get to me, they're hopeless. Let's just go ahead and call it what it is. They have tried so hard. They've tried every moment of their lives to get to master this. And all the stuff that's been given to them to help them has failed. Uh, for instance, it used to be that uh, the, the, all of the guidelines and stuff like that would say the treatment of ADHD is multimodal therapy, which was a fancified term that said you had to do more than medication. Back in 2007, they dropped multimodal therapy. It's not the treatment of choice now. Now it says if medication works, that's enough because all of the non-medication-based therapies failed completely. They had no detectable lasting benefit. And in good conscience, they couldn't recommend that people do therapies that they know didn't work. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I want to briefly interrupt the podcast to inform you about the Fibromyalgia Starter Pack, which is now available. If you are new to this podcast, it categorizes the episodes in a way that is more beneficial for those new to fibromyalgia. You can access the link in the show notes to learn more. And and I think similar to treating fibromyalgia, if those who listen to Teresa, she had fibromyalgia and and she had such severe fibromyalgia that I started to recognize that she had coexisting ADHD and she had RLS as well and treating that. And that allowed her to at least get into the moderate level. And then she uh-huh. was able to implement the healthy lifestyle, the healthy diet, the, the gradually increasing things. One of the, and I know that you're better. And, and, then, better. and then she could see some improvement. And, and with that, some people may be managing okay because they're, and an auto mechanic on their feet, moving constantly with things that they are able to somewhat master because they're high IQ can, and they're physically yeah. moving and they may have that. Or they're one interested of, in it. They're interested in it. When, when you look at one of the key things of fibromyalgia are the pain and fatigue and fibro fog and fibro fog are, and I look at these and often these fibromyalgia is somewhat in the, ownership of rheumatology, but they're much more inflammatory experts. They're not psychiatric experts, but the definition or symptoms of, of fibril fog are problems with concentration and memory. This can lead to confusion, losing your train of thought, forgetting or mixing up words or details, for example, often motivation. And, and I see you smiling here. Well, what does that sound like to you? But to you. <laughs> And uh, I talked with Dr. Joel Young, who did research in treating yeah. ADHD in those who had chronic fatigue, syndrome, which is, in my opinion, just other half of the walnut of fibromyalgia and showed that they had improved. But he had patients early in his career who nobody wanted to take care of. They had this chronic pain. Psychiatrists had already tried their antidepressants and anxiety medicines. And he was sort of, well, you hear Joel, try this. And he, and he started 
investigating, probably somewhat like your story, recognizing like, hmm, and was able to go through a clinical history and some screening criteria, looking at things like the World Health Organization uh, version 1.1 for ADHD and using that and diagnosing and treating and showed, wow, there was actually a significant improvement in their symptoms on the fibromyalgia impact score was symptoms were cut in half, which is exciting. Can more of that be done? More studies? Sure. Dr. Joel Young showed in his study that treatment of ADHD was able to cut the fibromyalgia impact score in approximately half. In fibromyalgia, there's other issues going along with it, but in just like life, I had a patient who I just met recently who had diabetes and he's in his early 30s and had severe IBS, migraines, chronic pain. But interestingly, he had classic RLS that wasn't being treated. He thought it was normal to be tired all the time in his early 30s. He had a new baby and he did did everything to get out of bed to just go to work. And because he had a wife, because he had a child, he pushed so hard. And I think that so many people with ADHD and fibromyalgia are pushing so hard to do everything. And often I say to people who do graduate college or get through things, I'll say, why didn't you give up when you were there? And it's often I had to study three times as hard, but I knew I I wanted to make myself. I, I had to work so hard and if just to live life with ADHD or fibromyalgia for many people is such a challenge and it warms my heart to be able to help. The saying is that people with ADHD have to work twice as hard for half as much. Yes. Another analogy I've heard is like having square wheels on your car instead of round wheels. You can get there, but boy, it takes a lot more effort And when there's a lot more to do in life, when you have a lot of things to do and you don't have as much time, that's where the crunch gets in. And that's often where that resulting mix match of reality and of the reality. I have all this to do, but I am not needing it. And and that may be that. Yeah. And and just to emphasize what you're saying, that's how people come in for treatment. Something happens in their life, and almost always it's a good thing happens in their life. A child is born, they get a promotion, and now they have five people reporting to them, and they have to do more than just organize themselves, and it just overcomes their ability to compensate any further. And so it looks like just suddenly ADHD is there, and they just fall apart when really they've been compensating their entire life, something good happens, but it's just, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. And it, that's how they come in. It's, it's good things happening that brings people in for treatment. So one of the things that's interesting about fibromyalgia, at least traditionally, and these are similar to the world of ADHD, where they were traditionally thought that fibromyalgia was about a nine to one ratio of women to men. Those were based on old criteria, based on trigger point testing. And now with newer criteria where you don't have to rely on the unreliable trigger points to make the diagnosis, it's probably more of a six to four ratio of women to men. But for historically for ADHD, historically what's thought of is boys and girls not getting recognized but reality is it's a 50-50. It affects men and women equally. It's not any difference, but women are much less likely to be diagnosed. 
Can you yeah. talk about that? In the field, it's called uh, noisy ADHD versus quiet ADHD. Now, little boys are hyperactive, noisy, disruptive, that sort of thing. They have just a lot more impulsivity. Whereas little girls are much more culturized to sit still, not be a problem to anybody else. They're in the back of the room. And it's also, I think, a, a subtle discrimination in that less is expected of women. A little girl who's not doing well, not living up to her potential, uh, they'll say, oh, well, she, she'll be a good school teacher or she'll be a good mom or something like that. Well, she could be valedictorian and go to Harvard. They, they lower their expectations for females. When I was in my residency, I was taught women did not get ADHD, period. Just don't even bother looking. And it was because they weren't disruptive and obnoxious, the way boys are. Mm-hmm. But they got missed. And so they weren't even studied. The first article published on females with ADHD was published in the year 2000. Just 20 years ago. Up until then, they were totally ignored. There are whole areas of the ADHD syndrome that are intentionally ignored. The whole thing about an intraspace nervous system, that's the cognitive component of ADHD. They made a decision 30 years ago, yeah, that's important, but we're going to put it aside while we establish the validity of this syndrome. As you know, it was an ugly (laughs) battle to establish ADHD. It it really existed. But the thing is, we never came back and studied the things that we put aside. So we put aside the cognitive features of ADHD. We put aside the emotional aspects of ADHD and didn't look at them. We put aside gender differences and didn't look at them. We put aside the effect of ADHD on relationships, and we've only just recently begun to look at that. And to to the point where it's it's been the United States researchers who have held the field back. They want to keep focusing on behavior, 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 behavior. And the rest of the world just finally got, we're, we're sick and tired of waiting for you guys to get moving. And so most of the good stuff right now is in the European literature. Nothing new has come out of the United States in 25 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but very few, if you think there are very few docs who read about ADHD, there are really very few docs who read the European literature on so that's that's where all the good stuff's coming from. If you're listening to this, you may have a lot of things going through your mind. You may be wondering, wow, that resonates a lot with me. There's so much that I find interesting about ADHD and fibromyalgia. We are woefully behind excellent diagnosis and management of fibromyalgia. We are woefully behind in the management of ADHD, especially in adults. Why is that? You know, this may be leaving you frustrated. I often have patients of mine who come in and they're happy that they're getting better. If they have coexisting comorbid fibro with ADHD or just one or the other, why I was able to diagnose and 
figure things out when they have been struggling with this for so many years. It takes about 17 years for something that is understood in medicine to be put into practice. And about every seven years, half of what we understood about a problem or how to manage a problem changes. So there's a lot to keep up to with medical problems. We are doing a good job in managing mental health conditions like depression when it comes to at least diagnosing and screening it. We are recognizing that untreated depression can have a major impact on health outcomes, whether it's control of diabetes or risk of heart disease. But now it's time to help recognize that there is a role of ADHD in many other health conditions. We'll talk more about untreated ADHD and the negative impact it can have in future podcasts. Again, thank you for listening. Please hit the like or subscribe button. Share this on any social media where you feel that this message needs to get out. And again, thank you for listening to the podcast. Until next week, go team.